time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass at that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they want. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again by a mountain, to a mountain by himself. John 6, 1-15, NIV. So, not gonna lie, I don't love uh, going over the stories that are super familiar because they're super familiar. There's a part of me that's a hipster and just wants to talk about the more obscure, weird things, and this is not that. Um, but every gospel has a different version of this story. Um, I mean, the details are a little bit different. And so, as I was reading this, uh, there's one particular verse that stood out, but we're not going to start with that. I'm going to start at the beginning. Um, yeah, so Jesus has just been. Um, so it says that people were following him because he had performed healings. So he has healed the official son, which I talked about in the episode called Sir. And then um, he healed the lame man, which I also talked about. Um, and then he was challenged by the Jews because he was healing people on the Sabbath. And so Jesus goes into a really long monologue from uh, chapter 5, verse 19 to chapter 5, verse 46, 47, where um, Jesus is just defending himself, right? And um, laying bare their motives and their um basically the the reason that they're misjudging him is because they're they have the wrong metrics um yeah so anyway when jesus moves the people are like well you know you have to remember it's, i think it's easy to read the bible and just assume like healings like this were normal right? Like this was just something that happened every week in Judea. And it wasn't. The people had read about this, 
or heard about this every week in synagogue or you know their parents had told them the stories that were passed down but they hadn't seen this it had been hundreds of years since anything like this had happened and now it seemed like it was starting to become somewhat normal but only where this guy was this guy who came out of nowhere um and so people were following i'm sure some people were following for a show i'm sure some people were following because they knew somebody who was sick right and they brought someone and they were just hoping that he would be healed um and then other people were coming because they're like wait what does this mean though right like this guy is performing these signs he sent from god what's the message could he be the person that we've been waiting for um It's interesting. Jesus went up on a mountainside, sat down with his disciples. I'm not I'm not very good at the idea of acoustics, right? I just I don't understand it. So somebody help me out here. But sitting on a mountain top, I guess maybe literally looking down at this um crowd. I, I've always been and not always, I've recently been curious, how the heck did 5,000 people hear Jesus in an era before, you know, mics and amps and all of that? Like, how was he able to speak to them, right? How did, how did his voice um, carry, right? Just... Even if they were packed like sardines, how would they hear him? Um, one of the interesting things about this story is that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And obviously that is instructive, right? Jesus asked Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he's trolling him. He's totally trolling him. Right, because he has no intention of buying bread. He's he's literally just asking to trigger Philip, and not not to mess with him, right? Like, um, I think to it says that Jesus was testing him, right? Because they've seen these miraculous signs, but we have this habit of putting certain things in the category of miracle. Like, okay, now we know Jesus can heal, and we know he can multiply. I mean, he can transform water into wine. But um, but feeding people like that's that's a logistical problem, right? Like that's a um, that's something that should be solved by money, not by miracle. And so Jesus meets them where they're at, right in the middle of their expectations. Okay, where are we gonna? Where can we buy bread for these people to eat? He doesn't even ask how can we buy bread. He says where. Um, you know, it's interesting because he's he Philip answers a different question than Jesus asked. Jesus' question is, where is there enough food for all of these people, right? Like, where are they going to on standing notice have food for 5,000 men and possibly families? And Philip is just thinking about the cost, right? Like, are you kidding me right now? Eight months wages wouldn't be enough for them to have a bite. Never mind a meal.
But remember, what Jesus has identified is a supply problem. Now, this part where Andrew speaks up, and again, this is this is like one of Andrew's only lines in scripture. I think there's this one and the one where he tells Peter we found the Messiah. That's that's pretty much his his named role in the story. And then you can assume wherever it says all the disciples that he's involved in that. But he's here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? So I mean I think part of that is um you know I tend to read this as, you know, some kid's mom packed him with a really big lunch. I mean, even if it's small loaves and small fish, like, it's a good chunk for one meal. Um, but some people, uh, John Ortberg has um, posited in Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them that this was not just some kid who happened to have food that this was a kid whose job was to sell food right like this was how he made his living he was basically like concessions he would go wherever there was a crowd and he would um wait for people to get hungry and then go offer them food right like hey you guys obviously didn't plan to be here or you didn't want to you know, have to cook before you left and bring it with you and all this stuff. So I'm bringing the food to you. You just have to pay for it. Um, and so that's, um, yeah, just John Orberg talks about the thought process of this kid, right? Like when he, when Andrew spots him, like, what does he feel like? Is he, um, it's like, oh man, this guy is associated with that guy who's speaking. This is going to be really good for business, right? Maybe he's going to take me straight to him. And, um, you know, maybe I can, I mean, I'm definitely going to make a sale, right? Like, look at all these people. Somebody will buy this. And um, I don't know, maybe I can get a gig. Maybe this will be like a consistent thing, right? I can just follow Jesus around because apparently he attracts a crowd. And next time I'll bring more bread and more fish. Um, and instead, like, what is that moment when it's like, oh, is he not even going to pay for this? Right? Like, he's, he's just going to give it away. Um, and again, that moment of what is God doing? Right? What is God doing? Um, how far will they go among so many? So that is the question that I think we all get hung up on, right? Is there's only so much, right? I'm, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I can't do this, right? Like the need is too great. I can't do this. But the question that is often asked in that situation is but what do you have right what's in your hands because like jesus knew the moment was coming right jesus kind of created the moment it was jesus idea to feed them right it wasn't the disciples that were like oh yeah you know it would be a good pr move to feed these people it might make them come back it wasn't this like marketing strategy 
Jesus, you know, if you read some of the other gospel accounts, Jesus had compassion on these people. He didn't want to send them home. Some of them had come a long way. Um, and if you think about it, I mean, it's not that big a deal if he doesn't feed them. This is a culture that should be used to fasting, right? Um, granted, you don't usually fast and travel, but yeah, okay. Jesus wasn't didn't feed 5,000 people. I don't think that's going to hurt his reputation. People didn't follow him expecting food, at least not to this point. Um, yeah. Like, it, it would have been fine. It would have been fine. They would have been fine. They would have missed a meal, and but they would have been fine. But this was, this was an extravagant act of generosity, and also just a very mundane act of generosity. On the other hand, right? Think about if you're the people, and you know, like you're the people somewhere in the middle, right? Like you're not here to see how little Jesus started with, and you're not at the end where you know, telephone has been played and now everybody knows and everybody's whispering, oh man, can you believe what Jesus just did, right? Um, but you're somewhere in the middle and all you know is, look, there's you can there's bread and there's fish and you can take as much as you want, right? Free food. Imagine being those people, like you don't even know that a miracle's happened. Okay. So it's, it's just one of those things of like, oh, cool. This guy has catered events. Good to know. Um, Jesus says, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass. And they sat down. I guess they'd been standing to this point. I don't know. Or maybe they just arrived and they haven't gotten a chance to sit yet. But I wonder what they think is going to happen. Right? Like, oh, you got to sit down for this. Um, or did they know? I don't know. Jesus takes the loaves, gives things, distributes them. And they can have as much as they want. Same with the fish. They can have as much as they want. That's the interesting thing, right? Jesus doesn't have like predetermined portion sizes for them. He doesn't say like, well, here's one serving of bread and here's one serving of fish. There's there's no pretense of um, rationing or of scarcity, right? Like when once it's being multiplied, he's not worried about how long it's going to last. He's saying, have as much as you want. Right? Like, how hungry are you? Take. You you know. You know what you're used to. Take it. Take it. Don't worry about how much there's going to be left over for the next guy. There's as much as you want. And I think that there's, again, something there for us in the sense of uh, why... You know, there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament about um, the prophet Elisha as he's dying, the king of Israel comes to visit him and Elisha tells him to drum with these arrows. And so the king does it basically out of, uh, I don't know, obligation, right? He's supposed to do it. The prophet told him to, so he does it, but he doesn't really, he's doing a half-hearted thing. He's like, this is weird, I don't care. You know, the prophet's probably senile. So he does it three times. And Elisha gets really mad at him and he says, you know, each time that you beat the ground with these arrows is a victory that you're going to win over Aram. And now you're only going to win three victories. If you had done it five or six, you would have completely destroyed them. Um, and so, you know, like, I feel like sometimes when we do things for God, we do them with that scarcity mentality. We do them with that, um, 
suffering mentality or that um that going through the motions like well you know kind of like peter right when when jesus tells him hey you know you've been fishing all night but put out a little deeper and he's like well i don't really think this is gonna work but because you said so i'll do it um you know i, I feel like if i were one of those people that were there right like if you you know, your parents probably raised you this way too, to be like, well, don't take too much. Make sure there's enough for the people next to you. And just saying, don't worry about those people. I've got them. I didn't, I didn't multiply this so that you could have a single bite, right? So that you could have a sample. No, I want you to have a meal. And that's what the grace of God is intended to be, right? Like we talk about that verse, taste and see that the Lord is good, but we don't stop at the taste, right? Once we see that God is good, like we're not supposed to stop there. We're supposed to keep going because there's more where it came from. There's plenty. There's enough for all of us. Um, so yeah, Jesus, Jesus multiplies the bread. Jesus multiplies the fish. You can have the bread without the fish. You can have the fish without the bread. You know, like there are no vegetables present, which I'm good with. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, he, uh, He's not holding back. He's not, he's not, yeah. Like this is, this is a feast. It's an unplanned, well, for the people, it's an unscripted feast. Um, and then this is the verse that actually caught my attention. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. I don't know about y'all, but this is my mom. She does not throw anything away. Um, she's a hoarder, but she also like does not like when things are expired, like severely expired, egregiously expired. They're still in our fridge. Sometimes I throw them away. Um, but you know her mentality is, look, I paid for this. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna waste it. And so you think about it, and you're like, you know, God could have multiplied this to be just enough, right? He could have, he could have multiplied it in such a way that it was just enough. Or Jesus could have just been like, okay, like there's extra, but who cares? Right? But this is here we see his extravagance and also his intentionality. Because he's not just gonna waste the, the leftover. The leftover is still good, it's still edible. So they have twelve baskets full of the pieces of the barley loaves left over by those who'd eaten. First of all, <laughs> this would not work in 2020 with our social distancing and corona precautions can you imagine like this is yeah i just sorry i just had that picture right now of you know trying to seat 5,000 people six feet apart and somehow get them all bred without you know them all touching it or whatever like i just i'm picturing people being really upset about that um or trying to you know wear their masks or whatever i mean it's outdoors sorry i just got distracted um There was more bread at the end than there was at the beginning, though, right? Like, it started with five loaves. And so, you know, I wonder for this kid if if he ever got his, uh, if he got to keep a basket, right? Just to be like, hey, here you go. <laughs> have, have yourself a basket. Um, and I also think it's hilarious that Jesus didn't multiply, um, like, there weren't leftovers of the fish. There was just enough of the fish. There was more than enough of the bread. And there's a very obvious reason for that. It's the smell. Um, 
but yeah, no, I just, uh, it's interesting. Jesus, the father multiplies this, um, and everybody has enough and God does more than enough, right? It's, it goes back to that verse. Um, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask for or imagine 12 baskets full may not sound like a lot after feeding 5,000 people, but when your traveling group is 13 people, I mean, I don't know how big these baskets are, but even if they're picnic baskets, that's, that's a good chunk of bread, right? So God is not just taking care of them today. He's got them set for a little bit, right? Like, um, But Jesus had to be mindful of that. He had to be aware. Hey, look, there's leftover. Like, we're going to intentionally go go grab that, right? We're not going to waste any of this. We're not going to, um, we're not going to, well, that was today's miracle, right? And we don't need this anymore. We're done. It's cool. Let's just leave that bread. It's already broken. No, he cared. He cared enough to come collect it. Um, and then here's the other interesting thing, right? Is Jesus knew what people's response would be to this miracle, and he still did it. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. They were going to make him king by force. And so, yeah, like, like he knew that that was going to be their reaction and he still did it. How often am I blessed by God? And my reaction is something like that, right? Like something that is... Um, just not, not the right time, right? And not the will of God. Yeah, Jesus is absolutely going to become king, but he's not going to become king because a mob of people who just got a free meal forced him to. He's king because he was born king, right? He was king before he incarnated. He's always been king. He's a king because it's his father's good pleasure for him to be king. Um, and when he comes as king, he's not going to need us to legitimize him or to validate him. But, you know, like we see God do something and we we have, right? Like, so it went from, hey, here's this miracle worker to, hey, here's the prophet. He needs to be king. Like this is, this could be our everyday thing, right? Like, what if we don't have to work anymore? What if there's just constantly free food? Um, you know, what if this is our new normal? And Jesus knows why he was sent, right? Jesus, Jesus knows why he's here. And so he says, no, right? That's not what this moment is about. This moment is about the Father. It's not about my kingdom right now. It's about his kingdom. And so he disappears, but he still did it. He still multiplied the loaves. He didn't let the fear of what they were going to do or the pressure of that. He didn't let, um, I don't know. Like he, he knew what the Father wanted of him in that moment, and he was obedient. Um, yeah. So my free two cents um, unrelated to this is one of the things that I've been convicted of lately. Thank you, Steph, is uh, just how selfish I am in, um, in the pursuit of God or um, still to this day where whenever I'm doing something, I'm kind of like, what's in it for me? And if I don't see something, obviously, like, a way that it's going to benefit me, I'm kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, I mean, I guess I'll try to do it, but 
I don't actually want to. And so I'm resisting, right? And I'm undermining and I'm doing it half-heartedly. Um, if I'm doing it at all, sometimes I just rebel and pout. But I'm reminded, right? Jesus came here and if anybody had the reason and the excuse to um, to to have his own way, right? It's Jesus who is literally equal with God. And he didn't, right? These are a few of Jesus's quotes from earlier in John. So this is from his um, monologue in chapter five, verse um, 30. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. And that alone is crazy convicting because I am always seeking to please myself, right? I, I just assume that those are going to overlap, pleasing God and pleasing myself. Like, why not, you know? Um, and sometimes it does, but but what was Jesus seeking? Jesus was not primarily seeking his own will and his own pleasure. He was seeking his father's will and his father's pleasure. And then um, this is from John 4. 34, and this is a verse that always reminds me of Jeff George because he's the person that has quoted it to me the most in my life. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So I, that verse came to mind as I was... Um, obviously, you know, this this parable is about food. I mean, not this parable, this this miracle is about food, right? Jesus multiplied the bread and the, lo um, the loaves and the fish, which aside, um, the company... That produces the chosen is called loaves and fish. I just uh, random, but um, yeah, for for Jesus to say, you know, this is my food. That that gives us an idea of how he was able to fast, right? How he was able to. Um, it's interesting because food is one of those areas of struggle for me. Like I know that one of my early warning signs of I'm not okay is how am I eating. Um, how much am I eating? Am I eating? Am I not eating? Which it can be either either extreme, right? Like I just will start skipping meals or I'll start binging, um, be eating really unhealthily, eating lots of ice cream. Um, I don't even like ice cream like I used to. I just, it's there and it's sweet and I'm feeling self-destructive. Um, but for Jesus to be able to say, you know, eating is just this very essential thing. You can't go without doing it for too long on a regular basis, right? Even when you fast, the assumption is at some point your fast will be over and you'll go back to eating. Um, and yet for Jesus to say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, right? Not just to start it, but to finish it. Um, yeah, I just, I find that very challenging i i literally had a dream today about food and i woke up and i was very disappointed because we didn't have that food and now i think of jesus you know in these moments when he withdraws because every time he withdraws from the crowd at the end of at the end of this um story after he multiplies he withdraws by himself and he's withdrawing to spend time with his father right like it is as nourishing to him to spend time with his father and it's as nourishing for him to please the Father as it is to eat a meal. And when we think like, you know, hey, how often do you eat in a day? Is it, are you a three times eater? Are you a five smaller meals eater? Whatever that is, like as, as regular and as, you know, like 
we think about eating, right? Like, I mean, it occupies a lot of mental energy in the sense of like, okay, what am I going to eat today, right? And there's, you know, sometimes if you have to cook something, you have to plan for it. Or if you're going to go to a restaurant and or you're going to pick up food, you you got to plan for it. Um, and so it's not that it's unintentional, but it's also just one of these things that you take for granted. Like, of course, I'm going to eat today. Of course, I'm going to eat tomorrow. Of course, I ate yesterday. And I think that that's kind of the idea here of, of course, I'm going to do my father's will today. Right. Of course, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Of course, I did it yesterday. And yeah, there may be some planning. There may be some intentionality. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit more of, look, what's available? What has God brought to me? But other times it's going to definitely take some planning. Um, but regardless, I'm going to do my father's will. Right. I'm going to obey him because that is the most satisfying. That is the most life-giving. That is the most nourishing. That is the, that is the secret to my health is to please God. And again, this is me putting it in the perspective of what can I get out of this? Really, that's not the point, right? Like I'm spinning this again back to here are the benefits for you. But honestly, why do we obey God? Because he's God, right? Because it's right. Um, yeah. Often when we follow him, we don't get obvious benefits. Right, we get these benefits that we may not even want. Like, oh, we're developing character. Great. You know what developing character looks like? It looks like suffering. <laughs> but God has better for us, more than we can imagine. Um, and we have to trust that even if it's not great right now, if it's not great at every moment, that it will be. That He is looking for our good, um, and so we're free to pursue His.